Every world became a garden, but for every garden there was a shepherd, and for all the shepherds, a greater purpose. Open this world to the winding path, light the way where I wish to roam, across the seas of infinity for this weary traveler far from home. This is The Lost Tribe. Welcome to this week's episode of The Lost Tribe, Sins of the Father. As always, I am the author and your humble narrator, Peter Ivey. This week I will be reading chapters 9 and 10. If you are enjoying this podcast, please like and share, as doing so is the only way to keep this podcast going. Thank you all for listening, and let's begin. Chapter 9 the remaining people of Trillane, great and small, were huddled into the square around the fountain below. Nobles huddled in groups with bakers, policemen, and even prostitutes. Falker suspected the nobles knew them well. Whores really made the bridge in a community. Sex was the one great equalizer, and here was another. Fear. Falker had led Flesh's creations in rounding them up. Some had come quietly, while others had resisted. Many ended up on the end of his claws. Falkir had thought about eating one or two of them, but Manon's instructions had been specific. Terrifying them would come later, he said. Later was most definitely now. Their wolves encircled them, keeping them in line. Flesh and Falkir stood together on the terrace, waiting as Manon reduced a couple of our human servants inside to rotting husks. He was much like Lethia. Falkir doubted very much that a human population would have supported both them and their appetites for so long, let alone... Falker himself as well. The screams of surprise and horror died down inside, and the new king walked out to join them. Manon always looked the same, minus splotches of gore and such. Today he looked like an older version of Jack in a more expensive suit. He was dark-haired and tanned in a black suit and a black shirt with a black tie. It all went well with his thoughts and actions. His teeth were very white, and he smiled at them as he approached. He grinned even more as he looked out over the huddled masses below. This is going to be one of those moments when you look back and say, Wow, I was there when that happened, or maybe you just scream and go catatonic. Either way, I'd say this is going to be bloody unforgettable, wouldn't you say? Falker hated when he tried to buddy up, but he was afraid he'd beat flesh or drain her, so Falker didn't tear out his bloody throat. Whatever you say. Exactly, he said, stepping up to the railing. Quiet them down, I want to address them. Falkir howled out to the crowd, and the other animals, the others who had been improved by flesh, answered him in a single deafening roar. In the seconds that passed afterward, no one below spoke, save for a few children that had awoken and were crying. The natural human inclination to fear the sound of a predator held them in thrall. This was usually when the predator came out of the bush and ate its prey. Menon cleared his throat. Citizens of Trelane, I welcome you to this impromptu meeting. For some of you, what I'm about to say won't come as much of a surprise. For others, it just might scare you down to your soul. I have no idea what that's like, as I have no soul, but I'd imagine it must be terrible. I digress. I wanted to tell you, first of all, there's no one watching out for you now. There's no imaginary heavenly being ready to help you all if you fall, or to pick you up afterward. He, she, it. Sorry, you're praying to an empty sky, folks. The good news is that there's no punishment for all the things you do. 
killing each other, fucking each other, sharpening a blade with the full intention of beheading someone, coveting your neighbor's donkey, and so on and so on. No consequences. The only thing you can expect is a single sound. Benon smiled. I applaud the things you do. You have proved time and time again that I was right about what you were and what you're good for from the very beginning. The bad news is that there's no one to stop people like me from doing exactly what I want. I think a demonstration is in order. Manon stepped over to Flesh and put his arms around her from behind. He looked over at Falcare, his gaze warning him to stay away. Let's make something beautiful together. He reached up under her robes and smoothed over her skin. She looked over at Falcare as he began to caress her. Something started moving from him to her. Falcare moved to try and separate them. I just need her for a moment, lover boy, he said. Interfere again and I'll suck her dry and you can go hump her husk. Does that sound good to you? I may be a monster, but as you are truly monstrous. You ain't seen nothing yet. He thrust at flesh and she screamed out. Breathe it out, girl, Menon said, his hands writhing over her body. Flesh shrieked and her eyes flared green in two tiny sunbursts. Her mouth opened and a cloud of blackness flew out. It was liquid smoke, black as night and alive with a sinister flow. It made its way down to the throng of citizens in the square, like a shark swimming in the air. There was a mass of panic and screaming as people tried to get away. There was nothing that could be done from up here, even if Falkir cared to. He saw a couple of the wolves get trampled along with a couple of older folk who didn't move fast enough, but it was too late for anyone to escape. Screams began to issue from underneath the blanket of darkness. Manon lowered flesh into a chair and snapped his fingers. One of the remaining human servants brought out wine and filled glasses on the table. Menon scooped one up and handed it to Falkir. Falkir turned away from it. Menon shrugged and took a sip from it. Magic time, he said, nodding at the crowd below. The sounds of screaming changed to bestial snarling. As the cloud dissipated, no men and women remained beneath its sway. Instead, black-skinned humanoids covered with dark, sticky fur struggled in a mass of bloody fluids to get to their feet. Falker could see claws and teeth as white as Manon's protrude from the creatures, and their eyes were pupilless and black. Even the children were thus transformed. They were smaller versions of the abominations. As Falker watched a band of the larger ones jumped a few of those who were still human, or in the midst of transforming, and tore them apart in a flurry of glee and evisceration. Deep inside, Falker could feel revulsion towards them. There was nothing redeemable about them at all. They finished with the corpses and joined the rest of their ilk in a herd that started to move back across the city. This is a much more honest representation of humanity, don't you think? Manon asked him, taking the last sip of his wine, cutting through all the sentiment and self-delusion, right to the meat of what they really are. Falkir moved over to where Flesh lay in the chair and picked her up in his arms. Her breathing was shallow and she was pale. I don't give a damn. Will Flesh recover from what you've done? Yes, your little playmate will be fine, Falkir. I just need to use her as a lens for my power for a moment. Don't go far. He took another glass from the table and held up a toast to the sky. Did you like that, you bastard? Did you see what I did to your worthies? Chew on that and remember who fed it to you. He downed the glass. I thought you said there was no one up there. No one who gives a shit, he said, spitting on the earth.
Chapter 10 We stood together, maybe for the last time, below Henry's ship in our little makeshift camp. Henry was fiddling with some kind of wiring in a device he had in a box, pausing every once in a while to infuse it with power. Dacoum was struggling to put on some kind of bronze armor that Henry had put together for him. We had agreed that we had to memorize the amount of contact we had with the kingdom, and Henry began putting together weapons and equipment to supplement our powers for the upcoming battle. He hadn't had much notice, so what he was putting together was pretty amazing. I forgot how little of Henry's talents is inherent in his powers and how much of what he did was due to his intellect. Casey was practicing drawing her pistols under a heavy brown cloak that had been her own before Henry had modified it. Instead of a simple riding cloak, there were now lightweight plates built into it that came together to form an armored apron to protect her while she was laying down fire. I walked over to her. You think it'll work? Me being able to draw, fire, and reload with an extra 10 pounds on my damn arms, or the whole thing? Smart ass. She smiled, undid the fasteners, and stretched her shoulders. Anyway, always happy to be of service, she said, tipping her hat. Any sign of apostos? Not a whisper, I said, trying to shove down the guilt into my gut. That's no good, Mick. I know, this might end up being a rescue mission in addition to all the other bloody things we've got to do. You said you'd handle Manon, she reminded him, frowning. How the hell are you going to do that if you don't know Jack about him? <laughs> I had the same question, Mick, Henry said, wandering over to help Takuma attach his breastplate. I moved over to Takuma and stood on the opposite side of where Henry was. He nodded at the leather strapping. Takuma rolled his eyes as we both heaved on the strap and secured them into the catches on the back plate. I knocked my fist against the back plate, earning a tough grimace from Takuma. We stood back to have a look. I'll take out Manon if it comes to that, I said, hoping I sounded more confident than I felt. If he's as corrupted and dark as Penny describes, then I should be able to hurt him. And you think she is telling the truth? Henry said. Maybe it's a trap. I doubt it, I replied. But we should have some kind of fallback position just in case. Maybe somewhere we haven't congregated before? Bursingholt's a good place. It's a resort on the world where I come from, Henry said. My parents have a cottage there that probably suffice. I never would have pegged you as a rich boy, Casey said, and stuck out her tongue. Henry struck a haughty pose, inclining his neck and pulling out the ruff around his cuffs. Some of us have standards, he sniffed. I used to think I did, Takum replied. We all looked up sharply at him. Casey giggled. Henry gasped and pouted. Bitch, he said, turning his pout into a smirk. Indeed, Takum said. We all laughed. Takum rarely spoke. But for him to crack a joke, it was nearly unheard of. There might be a hell of a lot less for a while, depending on how things played out. Our laughter died down as Atomo walked into the camp from wherever he had buggered off to lick his wounds after his attempt to get to Jack. He glared at Henry and stepped over to stand in front of me. Henry moved to speak, but Atomo raised his hand in his direction. Do you understand why I did it yet? I asked him. Yes. So what are you going to do now? I will fulfill my obligation to you and to Apostos. I will help you in the coming battle. After that, whether Jack is around or not, I am parting ways. That's completely ridiculous, Henry blurted out. If it helps, I apologize for shooting you, but, uh... What you did was dishonorable. A trick. You denied me the chance to correct my action, and took it upon yourself to stop me without consideration. That I cannot forgive. Who gives a damn about honor? Things are getting a little more serious for such formalities. It was the way my people lived. Otomo said, and I am all that is left of that way of life. 
I intend to preserve it, no matter the cost. Henry threw his arms up and stomped off towards the box he had been working on. I understood, somewhat, how Otomo felt, but I couldn't let him go so easily, even after the incident where he cut off my hand. I was feeling generous, I guess. What happens when we all live on one planet together? Are you going to just stay off by yourself? That has not happened yet, and I have my doubts that it will. Well, aren't you a cheery son of a bitch, I growled. What happens here and now if we don't win, and Benon or one of the others decides to try and take you out? You'll be on your own. Then I will die the way I lived, Otomo said. He walked away from us back into the forest. He's right, I guess. What do you mean? Well, if we do get the chance to live together, we're going to have to set some rules about how we go about our business. Living like this is okay, but don't we all want something real? Isn't that what we're fighting for here? Yeah, I guess that's true. I just don't know if I'd die on principle, or I'd try to survive as long as I could to get back to what matters. Or who, Henry said, from his position kneeling over the box. Or who, I concurred, looking over at Casey. She looked back at me and even blushed a little. She looked away then, tipping her hat down to hide her smile. Aren't you two just the cutest? Henry mused, not even looking up. It personally makes me throw up a little in my mouth, said Jack's voice from up above. I went for my sword and I saw Casey redress her pistols to follow the sound. Jack stood on the deck of the ship, his hands in his jacket pockets. Penny was hugging his arm for warmth. It was not snowing right now, but it was still plenty cold. We had the fire down here, but the decks of the ship were largely unprotected from the elements. Don't move, asshole! Jack waved at us with his free arm, grinning like an idiot. He was lucky that Casey didn't blow his head off. Hey, Simmy! I yelled up at the ship. Simmy poked his head over the rail. Yes? I eased up and Casey holstered her guns. Everything okay up there? Okay, yeah. We play cards up here, perhaps, eh? Down there, very tight. No good. Simmy always hated indoors unless there was drinking involved. I had made him promise not to drink while he guarded those two, but I had no illusions about his disdain for small spaces. Fair enough. Behave, you two, I said, giving Jack a threatening glare. No problem, Jack replied. You'll most likely be dead soon at Manon's hands, so I really don't see that we have to lift a finger. We'll see about that, I said. We were running out of time. Once again, thank you all for listening and tuning into The Lost Tribe Since the Father. Join me next week when the story continues, and remember to follow this podcast and share it to keep the story going. 